Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I bring you the best and the brightest from the world of business, marketing, social media, life, and a whole bunch of other stuff to help you harness your own inner tenacity and drive your life and career forward. My guest today, returning second time guest, is Mr. Max Stossel. Max was on the show back in early 2020. Imagine that we're saying early 2020 at this point, early days of the pandemic. He was on episode 48. And just for reference, this is going to be 263. And that was before the world imploded, before the world imploded. And we're all stuck inside most of that time. But if you don't know Max, and if you're not familiar with him, he is a performing artist, a poet, and most recently body of work, being a special Words That Move, which is a really powerful experimental piece that I highly suggest that you check out on his website, wordsthatmove.com. We'll link it up. And guess what? It's free. So you have nothing to lose and all to gain. It's freaking awesome. And Max comes from the world of social media. We both spend time at VaynerMedia back in our early days. And a lot of Zar talks about the societal implications of that tech ecosystem that he once helped pioneer. And in 2015, Max realized how harmful a lot of these systems were and started working on the side of improving relationships between people and technology. So let's get back to it. Max, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. It's good to be here. Good to see you. It is, and it's been and it's been three years, and and a lot has changed. A lot, a lot has not changed. Um, and if you want the backstory, you want its history, go to episode forty eight. We're not really going to touch on. We're going <laughs> to talk about the now and the present here. Um, but a lot of things have moved on. Let's talk about the new special. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, I kid, I kid. So bring my audience up to speed. Um, what is words that move? And and tell us a little bit about uh, the the creative process and what went into it. Yeah, it's it's sort of an opus of the first creative chapter of my of my artist career. Um, it's over the past seven years, I would say, from writing these pieces to then performing them live on like in stages before COVID and live shows felt really wonderful. They strung together nine different pieces that each tell a story of different kind of levels of intimacy or perspective. And people were just leaving that show feeling really spiritually fed and it felt really good for me to give. And I have in the past for individual poems, like put them out online and had it felt really good to deliver the soul of a piece through film. Um, And it feels like just sending someone the words wasn't the same for me. For a lot of these spoken pieces, I wanted to do something uh, more produced. And And that felt really good as well to do that for individual poems. I'd never tried it with a full show. And so the special is the the full show, the hour, the words that move show now given added new life, uh, in the digital world and each piece either has animation or live storytelling or vfx it has a whole bunch of bells and whistles that i think make it really fun to take in through the screen and yeah it's a it's a big piece of heart and i really hope everyone will watch and enjoy it it is free up on the website so before covid and and thank you for that and everyone will check it out we'll we'll plug it again at the end before covid you were out 
and about you doing live performances and, and hopefully getting back to a little bit of it now. I haven't seen anything updated on the tour dates. Maybe you just haven't updated your website yet, but I assume you're going to get back out there um, soon. Did you did you envision this all coming together as a collective piece or was it ever was it not on your radar because you maybe thought of just keeping this as a live act? Um, I had always had the the idea to turn it into a special. What I wanted for my own creative life is sort of like a stand up comic does to go from live show to then film a special um, and to be in that process. And there's not really been anything that's like this before in terms of the combinations of film and poetry and sort of what is a poetry special. And there are like a couple of things out there that are in the ballpark, but not really like I've been doing it. And so what does it look like to carve this niche for myself? And so this is, this is what I had envisioned just to do a live show, turn into a special, and I'm getting ready to work on the next live show. I would love to do that live back in person. And then after that feels complete, back on, uh, back on the special train again. And I hope that will be my process. You think America's ready for a, a live poetry special? <laughs> I do. I, mean, I, think, I, mean, <laughs> I think America's hungry for it. I think if you ask the average American what they want, most of them would just say a live poetry special. That's the first thing is, on most Americans' minds. <laughs> but but uh, us uncultured folk over here, I mean, sometimes poetry gets gets a gets a bad rap. I mean, this is more like deaf poetry jam, in my opinion. And going back, I mean, I'm dating myself at this point. Um, it really is a beautiful amalgamation of creativity uh, from so many different mediums. I mean, my my favorite piece and the 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 subway one. Remind me of the name of that piece. The dance. Subway love. Subway love. Yes, thank you, Judge. Jeez. I mean, that that's the OG, right? Like that that just resonated um, deeply with, with me. And I don't want to give everything away, but we do want to talk about it. You performed this uh, piece in, a, in an empty theater. And it's all, a King's Theater in Brooklyn, right? Historic, beautiful theater. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about what that, what that felt like. Um, your performer, what is, it, what is it like performing on one of the most beautiful stages in the, in, 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 in the country to an empty audience? Yeah, it was uh, as I walked, we were scouting locations. And most of them, we were looking at like, you know, littler theaters of just like what's a place we can shoot this and since it's going to be empty it doesn't need to be such a spectacular place and then as i walked in like sometimes i'll in a sort of hippie-esque way like kind of ask the art what it wants and the art was just like feeling like a giddy little kid in that theater was like yeah here here yeah let's do it here let's do it here and i was like okay this seems like it right. seems really what it wants it felt right it felt right and then you know it's i miss the art like there is an energy to having an audience there that I miss. And for future specials, I want to film it with people in the room. You just feel that back and forth and it feels very good. Um, and for COVID, it felt like a really beautiful project to take on. And Aaron Richards directed it, who's a friend and a really talented director and actor. And she was really spectacular through the whole thing. But yeah, but you know, people will watch it. They'll have their own opinions. And it was a beautiful process to create. When, when After I watched it, it reminded me of, I saw a couple years back, my wife and I went to go see Madonna at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, and she did a two-week run of taking her, not even just all of her hits, but it was almost like a theatrical, improv, multimedia, a very different Madonna than the big arena stage shows and everything. And she did it at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, which is another, uh, uh, mm. not the main one, the smaller one, the theater there. And as I was watching your special, I was like, holy shit, I can't wait for you to take this on the road and do something like that. Where you have potentially live performers, mixed medium, uh, you know, AI projection mapping, like all this cool shit going on there, and and it's exciting to see what it's about. But let's kind of get into it and unpack um, what it's all about. Um, most people wouldn't guess your your early side if they watch the special that you help build the machine. You know what it's all about. So, real quick, high level, and again, they could go back to episode forty eight, but succinctly, 
tell us about your past before you you went to you went from the dark side to hopefully the light side. Um, yeah, the area I was working on a very small social media app. Um, we raised a bunch of money from Mark Cuban and some others uh, to try to be the Instagram for video. This is before mm-hmm. Instagram had video, uh, <laughs> yeah, and we uh, and yeah, it was we we're trying to figure out how do we grab and hold as much time as possible, and that was the game. What can we do on this product that will get people to spend more time on it? And then noticing that like some small changes just kind of work better at grabbing time, regardless of whether or not people actually sign up for that or consent to that. And frankly, we weren't that good at this game. <laughs> um, but I was noticing that we were playing the same game that TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, that these big mm-hmm. players were playing, and they were just being very much better at it. And it was through that and then through conversations with Tristan Harris, better understanding, huh, like, what does it look like to ethically steer two billions pe- people's attention? How do we uh, are we understanding the impact that we're having with these little design changes of these products? And to this day, I think we're mostly unaware of how significantly social media has eaten most aspects of our lives. Right. I mean, there was, was there, was there like a, a, a breaking point moment for you where you're like, I don't know if we're doing this the right way. Like we might be stepping into the gray area. We might even be deep in the gray area and we're about to cross the line. Was there that one moment where your your ethics were were challenged? Um, honestly, I think like I think the small scale of our app made it not feel so big for me. Um, but there were definitely moments like where we'd watch of like, oh look, like when we do this autoplay feature, like we got more time, like that worked really well. Like, see, we it's made a, a change thing. and we got we got more time. And then it was just like, huh, like whoa, like just a thing we changed like that just like works. It was more, I think I was more interested than I was shocked at the ethics at the beginning. Um, and, and yeah, and to this day, like the, I'm more concerned with like the downstream consequences on mental health, on politics, on society, on yeah. the way we're interacting with each other, on the way we love each other, on friendships, on creativity, just like the way it's impacting cool. that on the whole than I am on like the specific little tricks that people use. But I think those tricks are a nice way in to look at the bigger picture of how social media is impacting our lives. Yeah, so let, let's get into that a little bit. Do you remember, I always remember like my first time. Do you remember your first hit of dopamine? Remember the first hit? <laughs> I don't. You what like was that? yours? I don't, I don't remember. I, mean, I remember oh. a lot of other first times, but like, I mean, the first hit of dopamine and, and, it's, and it's a real thing. What's your, what's your take on this, which I think is one of the most evil, if not drugs out there. Hmm. I mean, it's naturally produced in the body, so it's, you know. Not really a drug. Yeah, I'm trying to remember like my first my first social media dopamine, which would probably would have been first viral hit, maybe. So I definitely remember when uh you know when the videos were going viral. But also what's interesting is like it was a similar process in my mind of the posting, I don't know, an orange juice carton on Instagram, whatever my first picture was, being like, I don't know, what is this thing? And then seeing how many likes it got and being like Ooh, it got this many and other people are getting that many. What does it look like that comparison? Mm -hmm. And funny enough, it wasn't emotionally that much difference between that. And I put out this subway love, for example, and it's getting millions of views. And if it has a hundred thousand, I want a million. And if the next one has a million, I want 10 million. If it has 10 million, I want a hundred million. There was this similar process of like, Oh, it feels good to be getting the validation, the external, these little metrics of validation that feels really Mm -hmm. good. And I want more. And it almost doesn't matter how many there are. I always wanted more. And that was illuminating in its own way. 
So how do you balance it now? As someone who's a content creator itself, and you need to, we were talking about this before one in the air, someone who earns a living on distributing content because the more eyeballs you need, the more people will see you, the more specials you'll eventually sell, the more content, whatever else you're going to do with it, live shows, sponsorship, books. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it, right? Because you're going from someone who helped create this machine to someone who speaks out. Not necessarily you always speak out against it. I think you illuminate it. I think there's parts of it you bring to our attention and awareness. That's my one of my big takeaways from your work too is like, the aha, or of course I know that, right? Like, why do I feel that way? The questions they ask, but h- how do you balance it from a, a, a business perspective versus, um, you know, what you, what you really truly believe and preach? And it's, this one is really interesting for me because I, I also, like, I make some money from poetry. I make most of my money from this other work I do. With from, from OnlyFans. From, from OnlyFans. <laughs> from helping kids deal with the challenges of social media yeah. and how that's impacting their lives and society with uh, my organization, Social Awakening. But so, because, you know, and yes, it is some, in some ways a career, but also part of the reason that I do it this way is that it allows there to really not be the pressure on my art to have to make more money or have to get the more views. So what that illuminates for me is then like, is then, and I still want it. Like I still really want the people to see it and I'm still tempted to play the game and to like do the thing because I still, even if it's not about the money at all, like I want more people to see the thing that, like, that I love. Of and, course it's there and it's this numeric. You want people to see your I creation. I want and people I to hear really, this podcast, yeah. right? Like you yeah. want people to see and your I, art and feel it. You And where's our line of, what we're willing to compromise on and how we're willing to talk or promote. And also, frankly, our comfort with like saying, Hey, everyone, look at, look at this or look at me. Look what I created. Look what I created as opposed to letting it, letting it reach the people that it, that it reaches on its own. And it does take some pushing um, Mm. in ways that frankly, I'm uncomfortable with. I want to create it. I want people to have it. I don't want to ask people to do anything. I want to give them this art, these pieces that mean so much to me. I'm getting ready to release a couple of short films, getting ready to release a book, getting ready to release like a bunch of things. And I, the whole promotion process of it, yeah, just makes me sick to my stomach because something that feels so important to me, I also like, but like also feels like a gift is a confusing place to be as an artist. And I just really want people to have it. And I guess if I'm being really honest with myself, the thing I could do is just put them out, let it fall as it does. Like, it would feel right to me to do the work. I, we connected because I was asking around, being like, "Hey, I've created a thing." And, well, there's, yeah, you're promoting. You're promoting, there, but there's a fine line, Max, between. I mean, and that's that's something, and I think that lies within all of us. Is that that fine line of self promotion? And some people are very confident in the ability to do that. Some people say, "Fuck it, hey, don't hate the player, hate the game." This is what you want to do, and it's created this world of of influencers. And and I think the word influencer is a, a dirty word, personally. Um, especially if you call yourself one, you know, we've seen, you know, you go to the, the OGs, the Paris Hilton's of the world, like the, the original influencers and what, what is she famous for? You know, what are they famous for? How did they create that awareness around them? What are they driving? What are the business? And, and in my opinion, setting a, a terrible a standard, we were talking about my, my 10 year old daughter before we TikTok, and my wife and I are trying to teach her responsibility. I love the creative side of it. I love that she's found an art where she takes videos. She does a bunch of my videos for TikTok and she edits them on the app and she's thoughtful about it and the music and the cut clips and it's bringing out an incredible side of her and it is an art form. I mean, video editing and video creation is an art for sure. But then you get into the dirty side of it, right? We look at the, the I mean, I think sometimes how the hell is Instagram reading my mind with the ads that they're serving me? Like, are they listening to everything? Like I was having a conversation with my wife at dinner and then the next minute it's on my phone. 
Like that's the shit that scares me. Are we are we there? Is that really what's happening? I think the dark side. The truth is creepier. The truth is they don't have to listen um, because you are of a certain demographic. There are a million of people with a similar demographic. They're running Mm -hmm. so many A-B tests and split tests to see what you might be thinking about. You are in a geographical location that was similar Mm -hmm. to X, Y, and Z person who were clicking and searching for that thing. You had a conversation with your friend about the thing that they were looking at on their device. They were clicking it on their device. Then they said it to you. Your phones were next to each other. So then it's likely that you might. So it's just they don't have to listen for voice because all the data is so good. And I think that's creepier. Um, you, but getting do, into but do you with what people, you said about your daughter, yeah, of, like, into it. Uh, of with, um, it's also interesting to me that I think, you know, it's one thing in the, when you're learning, like, and she's learning to express a creative side of her. She maybe really likes video editing. There's so many different parts of this that are, I think, helpful to separate. Maybe she loves, like, maybe she loves making videos and editing videos. Does she also love posting it in the self-comparison machine and being like, how many likes did I get? Or is that a more stressful no, because process? We, because we, we purposely keep her, her account private. So yeah. there's only going to be a, a finite number of, of likes and engagement that she has because of her unlimited amount of followers. We did that on purpose. Right. Especially like, from a privacy standpoint because she's 10 years old, you know? Right. And she still probably has a version of it of her own friends of, ooh, these five people liked it and ooh, they exactly. didn't like the next one. They're still, that's mm. kind of the way that the millions the and the still there. two are still there. But it's also interesting to me that most artists I know hate social media. It's like there's sort of a conflation of artists and content creators. And some people would say like these people who thrive in this environment where like social media kind of is, they would maybe say they're art, but it feels like something different where I think to most artists, it feels like there's this intense compromise of something deeply sacred to us. That is what we then feel like we're quote unquote supposed to put on social media because this is also the engine where we're we're reaching the people. So to not do it also feels like chopping our arm off because no, we, we care so much about people seeing this stuff. So if this is what we need to put it in, then I guess this is what we need to do. But then there's, I find the people who really love this stuff um, it just seems very rare that there are artists who are also just like loving social media and not at least having a complicated relationship with it. It's so interesting too. And and let's, let's kind of get into that a little bit in the work that you're doing uh, as the CEO of social awakening and, and working with Tristan Harris and the work with the uh, center of humane technology. Um, what, what's the right way to talk to our kids about social media? What's, what's the right framework? Because it's, it's part of our life. It, it, it is in the everyday ethos of everything we're doing at this point. When you and I were growing up, we're roughly the same age. I'm, I'm turning 44. And I don't know how old you are, but same, same range. Like, we didn't have any of this shit. Nothing. To- totally. We had a landline. I mean, I learned how to type on a typewriter. I sound fucking old, like an actual old school typewriter. I'm sure there's plenty of them in Brooklyn right now, but there's an old school typewriter <laughs> that I learned to type on. And I'm really good at typing. We had landline phones. I mean, you, you've seen all the cliche memes out there, but like, this is a new world and kids are not going to avoid it. So how do we teach them and give them the tools, the values, um, and provide them that framework? I mean, the mental health is terrible. I mean, every day you're looking at the, the news of, of cyberbullying and, and young kids committing suicide. I mean, it's fucking awful and it's real. And if you don't think it could happen to you or someone that you're close to, you're deeply mistaken. So l- l- let's get into this dark side because this is what it's about. And this is really the, the, the core message we need to put out there. So I'm going I'm to turn to the expert and um, love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, it really is, I think, you know, Jonathan Haidt has a good analogy of it's sort of like we shot our kids into outer space and now we're surprised that they're, you know, 
growing up differently or expecting measuring the same things and being like, oh, are they normal as they come out? And if they're literally growing up in a totally different environment. And I think there is the largest gap of understanding between parent and kid in this generation because growing up in an age with social media versus without social media is really very different. And the way that I talk about it with kids is I come in not as a parent or teacher saying, you kids and your phones, rah, rah, rah. But I come in being like, look, like I do come from this industry. Let me show you some of the ways this stuff is designed and some of the specifically kind of manipulative and gross tactics. And that is a good opener of, oh, hey, look, look at the ways that they did make me think something that I might not want to think or do something I didn't want to do from the way this stuff is built. And they are kind of getting me and I kind of help teenagers get on the team of like, I don't want to be manipulated by these by these guys. Like what what can I do differently? Which I think opens a door for parents, teachers, students to kind of work together on, all right, this is really hard. It's really hard to like manage this and to to deal with this. And it's nuanced and there's so much here, but we're all battling a hard thing together. Maybe we can you know, maybe we can be on the same team as opposed to the tug of war of you're trying to take my phone away. No, I want to keep my phone. Exactly. Um and I, exactly I think I've been good at sparking that. And I've been working it, with these folks at Project Zero at Harvard. Um, and they are like really focused on creating resources with teenagers that really focus not on social media itself, but on life, like what is going on in your life. And then how does technology or social media influence that struggle, that joy? Um, because I think it is a much better approach to look at like, how are you doing overall? And then how is technology well, influencing course. that as opposed to zooming solely in on the tech? I mean, it really is a tug of war. I mean, I think about it all the time, like we're not going to avoid technology. And then if you're a parent and you try to take the technology away or limit it to, to I mean, I think limits are great, but if you try to over limit it to an extent, your kids are going to resent you. And then you start to play that tug of war. I mean, I'm in that right now. How much time is okay? And then there's other kind of cool parts where it's, she, she's still using the technology to connect, where she's doing FaceTime with her camp friends that don't live locally. Like that's cool. Because she's still interacting. So balancing the power of good and bad, the creative side of it too. Um, and quickly, just because I, I hear something please, that's really please. common that parents do all the time, which please. is it's easy to, like, we just look at it all as tech. When I think the place to focus and really be careful is around social media. Like, yeah, FaceTime is magic. Like, oh my God, we can talk to talk each to my other across in Florida, right? oceans. Like, wow. And we sometimes Fucking think Jetsons. of that as... <laughs> Oh, I'm taking social media away. I'm taking their ability to FaceTime. No, no, no. These are very different things. Like technology, yes, of course, can be wonderful. There's this weird beast of social media that is very kind of tricky, manipulative, self-comparison machines, sometimes porn machines, and like that just really is very persuasive and very mm -hmm. addictive and like changes the way that we think about ourselves in ways that aren't all bad, of course, but like it's just really tricky. And so I think for parents to hone in, not just like on the tech, but on like, Hey, social media, I think is the place to look. I think that's pretty smart. Hey there, fellow podcast listeners. I'm Kevin Logan Jr., host of the Immutable Mindset Podcast. If you're fascinated by Web3, blockchain, and disruptive technology, then you won't want to miss a show. Join me and co-host Adam Posner as we introduce you to an incredible lineup of successful entrepreneurs, builders, and industry veterans who share their insider knowledge, unique perspectives, and personal stories that will leave you inspired and craving more. Like Mike Isogawa, the CEO of Webacy, who shares her journey from being a Cirque du Soleil performer to a cybersecurity pioneer. Or Dave Schwed, COO of Halborn, who 
discusses the future of digital asset security and how the future of assets will be tokenized. We also break down complex topics into digestible bits, perfect for both experts and newcomers to the world of Web3. So if you're ready to stay ahead of the curve, subscribe to the Immutable Mindset Podcast now, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Let's talk about receptiveness um, from different ages. Um, you know, I mean, some some folks are the kids are on it really early. I mean, I think my 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 ten year old is in a, in a good place, and we waited till she got her phone. Um, wh- what's the word on the street from the kids? I sound like the old guy in the room now, but like, what's what's the word on the street when 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 you come in and you have these conversations and you lead by example and they see your art? Like, are they are they open? Are they are they listening? Are they understanding? Or they're like. Get the fuck out of my face, Max. I need to get back to TikTok. <laughs> um, of course, there's a little bit of the get the fuck out of my face. I want to, like, sometimes the kids who are most in it are the most get the fuck out of my face. Um, yeah, because they're high. General, they're high on own supply. I, I don't, I get almost zero, what are you talking about? It's like, there's at least, like, an understanding of, like, yeah, like, what this dude's saying is right and I feel it. There's more I run into, like, well, what do you want us to do, man? Like, this is our world and, like, we don't, we, got, what, what else. we don't know what else it looks like and so i'm very good at the bike. first step of like opening the eyes but i need to i want to get better at like the the follow-up process and you know it's also interesting you know your daughter's 10 like when i started doing this work i was getting the question of like hey is my 16 year old too young for social for a smartphone for social media and now it's like it's my third grader fourth grader and that's in a very short amount of time. It's getting younger and younger that we've just accepted Scary. giving this stuff to kids. But like, also there are phones, like there are, there's something called Gab phone that just does the phone things without all the, you mean just like a phone, media. like a, a flip phone. phone. <laughs> yeah. And so like flip my phones, sometimes, the kids get, sometimes the kids get made fun of for flip phones, but Gab phones are something that looks like a smartphone and still like kind of has a little bit more of the cool factor. And so you give it to the like, old people and you give it to the kids, right? They give it to the, to the octogenarians, right? Who, who don't need, they don't need to be looking at you porn, but they need, still need to call their grandkids. <laughs> and genuinely, like we, th- <laughs> we think of, I mean, but porn is a very big piece of it because also on social media, I, mean, I don't know if you're scrolling oh. on TikTok with your daughter, but like, mm, oh my her God, feed, I'm sure will very quickly turn into asses and like, and yeah. porn, like, Porn get, is just very prevalent on these platforms. I talk, well, spoke to a seventeen-year-old in in Baltimore who said to me, "Like the porn on Instagram is getting out of control." It's a seventeen-year-old it dude was like, "It's out of control." Porn. And it's a seventeen-year-old like, camera when I was seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> dude. It's, some some comedian side note. Some comedian made this joke too. He's roughly our age. Who was like, "Imagine we had this when we were in our prepubescent years." Holy shit! We we had to go to magazines and videos and everything. It's 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 kind of it's kind of funny too. But going back to the porn thing, it's crazy. And I think the and I had this thought the other day. I don't think there would be an OnlyFans to the extent without the pandemic, because there were so many people that lost their jobs. They were looking for additional streams of income. They saw people making tons of money on it. It's all feeding that machine of society. But specifically in this country, right? In other countries, it's it's different. Let's talk about TikTok a little bit. The difference in TikTok and in China. And please keep me keep me straight on this one. From what I hear, yes, the algorithm right. in China is different than the algorithm here in the States. The algorithm in China and TikTok is showing education, positivity, self-love, all that kind of good shit, like health, wellness. Here, it's like, I mean, between the stuff my friends and I send each other on, it's like some of the dumbest, worst, horrific shit I've ever seen and just mind-numbing. I mean, my daughter even shows me some of these dances and, and she's in competitive dance, so some of the dances are good and some of them are just people like, just want to see themselves or put themselves out there or look stupid. Like it's just degrading, in my opinion. It's just degrading everything we believe in, all of our values. 
And so I believe in in China, there's if you're under 16, there's no TikTok. It's something called Du Yang, and it's like a lot of educate science experiments and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's an automatic 40 minute limit. Um, yeah, oh, wow. I'm not aware of what the TikTok algorithm is for older people in China. If it is different, it wouldn't be surprising to mm-hmm. me. This is the first I'm hearing of that. Um, and yeah, and it's interesting with OnlyFans, like an algorithm figuring out of all the possible things I could put in front of your face. Hey, teenager, what are you most likely to click on and look at? Give you three guesses what like, tends to come up to like rise to the top. And it's, it sort of seeps into everything where like, you know, there's the slide I use in my talks of where even like on Snapchat, the news, it's like this thing about tattoos is really just like a picture of a hot woman showing off her tattoos. This thing about sports is the girl taking off her shirt in soccer. Like it's just whatever right. the subject is, the algorithm just does tend to like sexualize it because our eyes, our monkey brain will go, will go look at that. And then I think in some ways OnlyFans is like a strange extension of that with, uh, just like our, the eagerness and the hunger for it. I don't think there's anything wrong with OnlyFans in some ways. Like how great that some people are like making tons of money, like doing this from the comfort of their home. Wonderful. Like I got nothing against it. Um, but it's, it is interesting to me, like the blurry line for especially a young person growing up being like, Oh, here's this girl I see dancing on my screen on TikTok. Here's this girl I see like in porn, you know, having intense rough sex or whatever yeah. it might be here's this only fans it's just like the blurry line between so, the people in their real life and these digital images because they are also contributing and being a part of the social media i just think that takes a very mature eye to like notice that it is not the same and, and obviously an adolescent person does not have that mature eye no and, and i wasn't going to go down this path but you do you do bring it out a couple points of your special is the over sexualization and our thoughts about what romance and intimacy should be like right like porn sexism porn like it doesn't have to be like that every time right and remember these are actors but that's what we tend to think about and the idealization of a perfect body type and everything i mean that's it's it's scary man it's scary like i want to teach my son son how to treat a woman the right way or a man whatever he's into i want to treat in his relationship treat somebody the right way and think about sex not as what you see on the screen all the time and it's it's scary to me when it is the education it's like what people want to do in their own time, go for it is my attitude. But like it's when it's when this curious kid is getting their education this way, I just think that's not gonna lead to fulfillment later on in life. And um and yeah, it certainly took a lot of undoing from my own learning about um learning about sex through porn. It's taken a lot of stepping back from that to <laughs> I mean I, you know, I mean, you- ten years younger than you, but so I I grew up in a a digital age, a little bit more of it. And I think there is a significant difference in those timeframes from having to go get a magazine to the access at the click of a button. And you talk about in your special with your mom in the audience, right? That was that, man. That was great. <laughs> I, I got a good chuckle out of that. Like, all right, I'm going to do this. My mom's here. We're all humans. Yeah. Let's just get the cat out of the bag. <laughs> we cut We're back the- to the the live show. It also felt good in the special too. It's like to feel the audience again. I missed that. Um, but that was the first time that, uh, that I had ever shared that poem in front of her. And I was so nervous about it. And then at the end, she was just like, <laughs> she was so like, just proud of the whole show of and course. emotional that she was like, it was fine. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, your, 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 your parents, are they, are they like, you know, they come from the hippie side. Are they, they like open kind of free going or are they more conservative? My dad's a very, uh, like a libertarian figure. Um, and mm-hmm. he is very, like very much live and let live in that philosophy. Um, and mom's like an anxious person. Um, I would definitely not hippies. Um, she's a psych, she's a, she's a therapist and 
very thoughtful, kind, oh, loving parents. Um, <laughs> always fun to have a mom therapist. Uh, and yeah, dad's a journalist. Mom. And so like storytelling and emotion in both of their work. It's so fascinating now at this stage of our lives to think about the influence of our parents. I mean, I, I think about it too. Both my parents are New York City Board of Ed teachers. My brother's in education and I'm not. Like, where did, where did I get this entrepreneurial bug? But then I think about those other skills that they gave me and those traits, the, the empathy, the caring, the listening. So it's, it's, it's still there. And if I look at the photos, I'm, I'm definitely not adopted. Um, let's switch okay. gears for a little bit. Let's, let's talk about, you know, the, the big thing now is BARD and ChatGPT and all this AI writing. Do you, do you, you think that AI is going to take over the work of Max Stossel? Is Chad, can I go on Chad GPT right now and literally steal the shit out of your act, rewrite it, go out there, do a little, you know, hip hop, some video, some AR AI on top of that shit and just be like, look. <laughs> you definitely, you could try. Um, I, try. It would, I, I don't have a cadence, but. I think also it's like the soul of it. I do believe in the soul of these works and I believe AI can get better and better at imitating that. Um, yeah, I think AI can segment. create incredible work, but I think often the work of artists is like to be looking at society and sp speaking from the heart in a way that I don't think AI can do yet. Like, is it possible that the, like I'm open to changing my mind later and I've been amazed visually at what it can do at like the ease of being able to craft and create these spectacular you know images and works of art like things that i look at and i like more than a lot of art i see i have had that experience visually i have mm -hmm. not yet had that experience with writing and maybe that's just i'm more of a writer and it'll take longer um but yeah i've still yet to be like wow like ai wrote this this is amazing like i want to go witness this or watch this and i've noticed when creating ai art it doesn't feel like i made something like it doesn't feel like the thing that i created is really like well until the act mine. of the inputs are the art right like, until the actually change the dynamic and we get to that point if i'm an ai artist and my skill set that people are gauging is subjectively good or bad is based on my ability to input into the system right instead of my 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 words or my pen stroke or my spoken words or my singing or whatever the creative platform guitar playing right like until that point where like my ai inputting is my craft i am like and the I best ai inputter in the world and i am and a, i wonder you know, how that Carn will feel. carnegie hall I wonder right. how that will feel for that artist. Like if they will feel like I am creating this or if they will feel like, um, I guess what would be. And yeah, I guess if your instrument is the AI, then maybe that right. feels different. It's the first time I, I'm thinking about that. It's the first curious. time I'm thinking about that. Yeah. So I'd be curious if they really feel like they're creating something or if it feels more like they're really good at chess. <laughs> but, but, but that's still like coming from game. your creative side. It's the same. It's the same. It's coming from here and it's coming to here. Right, like AI is still taking the human, it's still taking an input to get the output. Like someone still has to do it. It's not a robot putting into a robot. Like there's still a human on the input. I mean, in the early days of AI right now, that's what we're talking about AI creators is that the, the prompts that you put into a chat GPT or a BART or another system, it still has to come from a human and garbage in, garbage out. Like if you get garbage output, it's because you didn't put anything good into it. But let's talk about the dark side. Let's talk about, let's talk about social media, deep fakes coming from the AI side and the, and, and the fear of what this could do um and the negative implications um and i'm going to answer that and just the last thing i want to say on the other subject yeah, if you want, go is for it. there go for there it. is something um that there's been a big rise in people really loving making stuff with their hands as social media has gotten really popular and i think mm -hmm. there's something that you feel as you've created something that you don't get from making something digitally and i i would i would bet if i were putting my chips down that there's like a version of that that will come from being an AI virtuoso that you're not quite feeling like you're doing the creation 
at like another level removed from the make of something. Um, and then deep fakes, uh, I mean, the media ecosystem is such a mess. Like, yeah, what will it look like when, with this here, let me back up. Social media has made it so that people will absolutely find all the evidence for whatever they already wanted to believe. Like that mm-hmm. is, was the actual impact of infinite distribution of information and news. And like, you can just find the picture, the video, the thing that we'll get there. really supports. See, see, look, like I told, told you, you it's so. like this. See, I told you there's it's so much of social media is I told you so. And look how right I am. Um, and, <laughs> and all that, look how right I am. Because like deep fakes will become a really powerful tool. at look how right I am of like, mm-hmm. see, I walk, look at this, let's use America, look at this prominent Democrat, Republican, Mm -hmm. look at them saying this monstrous thing. You support this person, look how much of a monster this person is. I see with my own eyes, they said with their mouth, it's deep fake, that's not real, but like they said, they literally said that they like think X people are pigs, dogs, deserve to die, like that they killed someone, whatever it might be. And I think it will be even harder to convince yeah, I think people will be even more cemented. Like as these tools get stronger, people will be even more deeply cemented and it becomes even more critical that we just like learn how to love and tolerate each other, even if we don't agree. I think that's going to be very important right. for this next wave. Right, and it, and, that, and that's what I love also. You balance talking about the technology with taking it up to the higher level. Let's just get back to those human values of listening, understanding, compassion, because that's what's going to win the fight against the great divide. They're trying to tear us apart. The powers that be, it's yeah. polarizing. Right. People make more money and more attention. Right. When it's when it's us versus them, black and white. When you add more variables into the mix, it's more they got to market to. It's easier to separate us. With deepfakes, we'll need to be even stronger in the resolve of that as well, because it'll be someone could say to you, how what you think you're being the human compassionate one. When like I saw this monster that say this, (laughs) that he hates and and supporting that person. No, that is not compassion. That is not love. What are you talking about? You need to wake up. And like to be able to really get true with like, what do I actually know here? What do Mm -hmm. I actually like? What do I really deeply know and feel? And like, what is what is inarguable about what is occurring in front of me and in my experience as opposed to what is something that I I don't really know for certain? But like, I might have my feelings and opinions. And can I recognize Mm -hmm. your humanity above Mm -hmm. all else and that you are flawed and like and do my best? Like, we're going to need to take hard stands on that because the ev- the evidence with big old air quotes that certain groups are monsters or evil anymore. or whatever will be very quote unquote big air quotes strong it will look like you can paint any kind of picture and so we'll need to double down on love as corny as it sounds no i mean it's real i mean it started social media with politics in, in the trump days and before that like they really really defined it but there's something that i kind of want to riff on a minute and i think it contributes to this is the Reduction of attention spans and social media has contributed to that, which we, we used to think about shit a little bit more. We used to like pause and listen. And now because everything's so instant now, because it's 10 seconds, 15 seconds, ephemeral social marketing, it's only going to last a second on TikTok that we don't slow down anymore and think and we make rash judgments and rash decisions. And and I'm guilty of it 100%. And I've seen that through the trajectory of my life and, and, and my career. So I try to find those moments to slow down. What are some of those observations you're seeing around attention and 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 how are you talking to the young folks out there about how to be more mindful about slowing down yeah i think where i'm i'm much less concerned about what's happening on the platforms themselves i am about how it's influencing who we are in real life and that's one example of it of 
like if we start talking in person or arguing in person the way that digital conversations happen, like we're, we're changing literally the people that we are or the way that we pay attention to the world or the way that we treat each other based on this digital Stepford nonsense. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I gave a talk in, I actually, where was I? I think that was Rochester. Uh, Rochester. Where afterwards, these, this was the students and afterwards the, uh, like a student came up, it was like, it was a small classroom that like I did in between the assemblies and it was like unusually difficult to get them to talk. And I was surprised because on this subject, usually they're like very engaged. And afterwards, one of the students came up to me and he was like, Hey man, like, I just wanted to let you know, like why a lot of people were quiet. I think because it's related to what you're saying. And I was like, Oh, please. And he was like, we've been trained that anytime we say anything vulnerable, like we're about to get the comment thread, like jumped on us. Like mm-hmm. that's how we've grown up with like conversations. So now to express anything in a room full of people, our expectation is like that we're going to get the comment thread in real life. And so that to me is what is really so sad is in real life, this changing the way that we're actually expressing ourselves, communicating, like seeing our identity because of this bullshit funhouse mirror of society and attention spans are one piece of that and how we connect how we love how we speak to each other how we create all of those are are similar downstream consequences of that and that is where i'm focused and fighting and sad so what's let's let's let's, let's flip that around for a second max what, what what are those shine what are those beacons of light the positivity what are those signs that you're seeing out there that give you hope that people are listening and hopefully making a, a change in that back in the right direction. Um, I'm optimistic that schools are getting phones out of like the schools I work with anyway, are often using like my work as a kickoff to we're going to get phones out of school for the day. Like we're mm-hmm. going to let this be an eight hour opportunity of where we can learn focus patients, how to be without the devices. Undoubtedly social media has also made it much more possible to reach large groups of people and to Mm -hmm. find information or like sources of inspiration or sources of comfort that were not otherwise possible. Um, And I am seeing some burnout from teenagers of like seeing some teens being like, okay, like, yeah, maybe I don't know what the alternative is, but something is off. And so like, there's more openness, I think to something different in that way. Um, And so, yeah, those, those all do give me hope. Um, I don't like where we're at in terms of like, what social media is doing to our sense of expression, creativity, and the way we see each other and politics. Like that really does feel like a dark place. And I think it might oh, yeah. get worse before it gets better. Um, but those are some beacons that feel good. Yeah. I mean, the last negative piece I'm going to say here is I, I doom and gloom coming for this next presidential election. They have this dialed in. The technology is there. They've been working in the, in the dark, figuring this out and it's going to, it's going to be scary and it's about to get a lot worse. Um, yeah. And that's, and, and that's, and I mean, it's, it's, it's just reality. I mean, it sucks. You know, you by see the shit time right now, it's just, by the time things get corrected or fixed often, like the damage has been done and yeah, certainly we're going to see it happening in elections. And I think it just, it, it increases polarization is what the outcome is because the people, people just get more cemented and like, well, I just don't relate at all to whatever the heck they're doing. Um, yeah, yeah so let's 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 let, let, let's bring it home here. I want everyone to check out this special because it'll it'll all start to click. And and Max, I want to talk offline. I think we spoke about it a couple of years ago. I'd, I'd love to potentially. Are you are you back in the city? I know you went out west for a little bit. Where where are you at these days? Um, yeah, living in LA uh, with my girlfriend out here right now. And nice. 
but being in New York in April, being in New York in May, um, I'm pitching to Veronica that we move to New York, but that's its own conversation. New York's coming back. New York's coming back. We'll, we'll talk offline. I'd love to potentially bring you out to my daughter's school here uh, in, in New York and, and talk to them there. But um, I want to I want to wrap it back up with the special here. I mean, this is a I mean, I try to explain it to people. I'm like, it's performance art. It's spoken word. It's 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 an incredible video editing creation. Um, every different type of medium here. And it's just a beautiful piece. So I applaud you for it. The team behind you that put this together. I know how much blood, sweat and tears went into it. Max, what do you want people to walk away? If there was one thing you want them to walk away from after watching this, what would that be? Whatever it is that your soul needs. And uh, the greatest, uh, the greatest compliment you gave me was that you wanted to go watch it again with your 10 year old daughter. I felt really good to, to hear that. And um, but yeah, it's, I think there's different messages in there and whatever you take away is perfect. It's the beauty of art. It'll land exactly in the way that it needs to. Um, and yeah, I hope you'll, I hope you'll watch and I hope you let me know what you think. And, uh, yeah, I'm on this journey with you, figuring out how to create and do what matters to me and the amount that feels right to put that into the social media ecosystem. It's not zero. Um, and I'm you're still doing, always dancing, good, dancing within that. <laughs> I, I love it, man. And and one last question here. I was kind of thinking about with my, my show producers. We were doing our research here. Let's just say someone came to you with with a monetary offer that you couldn't refuse. Like stupid ass shit number, right? And you're like, okay. but you have to create a social media app and they want your input on it. Is that something you would entertain? And what would be have what would like some of those like non-negotiables be in developing this new app? Like how the, can we make an app for good? Cool. How can we make like a social media question. app for good? The first thing that came, that came up was like the, co- the cost would be if like, oh, well, I'm only willing to do things that allow me to keep being an artist. So like it's more right, about the funded time your and mission, energy for sure. that. Like, so it's, if it takes <laughs> of me course, away from and, that, and philanthropy is, and all that good then stuff, is, blah, blah, blah. Then there is no number. Um, but, and, but what would I do with a social media app? If someone was like, here's a billion dollars, go build this. Um, I would build a social network that is deeply passionate and obsessed with measuring like how are we impacting not your clicks or not any sort of metric on the screen but your life like what would it look like for a social network to be actually optimizing for how often do we illuminate new experiences that you wouldn't have otherwise realized were possible Mm -hmm. Uh, how do we create new relationships in your life that wouldn't have been there that you later rate as meaningful or satisfying like with education and news and information what would it look like for you to be like are you now more informed on the subjects that you are exploring and interested in? But like, and, and even like, what are you looking for? Put some intention into it of you're trying to be, you're trying to zone out for how long? Trying to zone out for an hour? Okay, let's give you an hour to zone out. Here's some good zone out content. Um, you want to be inspired to go create something yourself. You want to learn about this subject, but like to try and align the incredibly powerful algorithms with human intent. Um, that to me feels like the gem and what I would love for a social network, social network, enhancing our social lives to be, um, that feels like it's actually harnessing the power of technology and not farming humans for their time. I love it, Max. I I appreciate you. Thank you for coming back on the show. Uh, this is great. I want everyone to check out words that move.com backslash special Max works. Could folks find you connect with you and learn more? Oh my God, on social media, I should totally go follow me. Um, <laughs> Damn it. Um, Shit, I'm, we went back I am it. on the social medias. Uh, I'm Max Dossel, or there's like a dot in every once in a while of them, but most of them just my name, Max Dossel. But yeah, the, the, if you're taking one action, I would love for you to go watch the special. Uh, and yeah, man, it's good to be back here. Good to see you. Good to connect.
And definitely link it up in the comments. Max, thank you so much for joining me. Hang with me one moment here. Guys, everyone listening out there, this this is a good one. This is a real conversation, real shit going on out there. I love bringing folks like Max into add different perspectives. Um, please feel free to share this. Share Max's special. Uh, get involved in the comment section here. Remember, sharing means caring in a good way because I do want people to see my art, which is this podcast that I create. So yeah, do want people to listen to it. Um, Follow us on those social media channels. <laughs> Check out the podcast.com. Follow us on Insta at NHP Talent Group. Remember, look out for each other. Take care of one another and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon. Jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pawscast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepawscast.com.